Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Jake Abramowitz. Jake is a mortgage agent with Mortgage Edge, and he is from MortgageJake.com. Jake, welcome back. Thank you, Andrew. Love having, uh, love being on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we had great feedback from our chat last time we spoke uh, in the fall. So mm-hmm. there's some new mortgage changes that are potentially coming down the pipe, and we want to talk primarily about that today. We'll talk about a few other things before we do that, though, um, and love to hear your take on, on this because last time uh, you had a great take on things and we had some good feedback, so that's what we're going to do today, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Great. So maybe we'll start with where we kind of ended off last time, which was around the big little changes that came down in the mortgage mortgage market in the fall, uh, October of last year. So there was a bunch of sort of predictions and thoughts made on how it would affect the market and, you know, who the winners and losers would be under the those the changes that came into place in the fall. Um, now that you've had, you know, quite a bit of time to, to, to sit, sit on it and think about it, like, where where do you see you were sort of correct in your predictions and assumptions on what would happen and you know where were you maybe you know what I thought this was going to happen but it didn't actually happen yeah definitely so I think you were bang on on one of the predictions that we both kind of got from that which was the condo market was going to remain strong because of affordability issues uh, because if somebody can qualify before a stress test for 700 and then after for 500. Well, guess what? 500 will get you more more of a condo option than a house option in the GTA. What I thought was going to happen that didn't was the 750 to 999 house purchase price. I thought was going to soften a little bit, only because those buyers would be squeezed downward, uh, and it didn't happen. And frankly, as you know, those values from 750 to 999 skyrocketed and went over a million. And so clearly, what people did was they got around the stress test, and the stress test was geared towards buyers with less than 20% down, less than a million purchase price. What they did was they either increased the down payment to 20% or they added mom, dad, sister, brother, co-signer. And so that market was super strong. And then the million plus market in housing and condos, uh, well, condos to maybe to a lesser degree, you can speak to that more than I can, but in housing especially was very strong. So there wasn't much of a material impact at all in that was kind of surprising that no real market except the first-time buyer with only 5%. That's the buyer that got squeezed the hardest and got pushed down the ladder the most. Interesting. Um, what's happening in the market right now today as we record this this interview in early July? Um, what kind of rates are you seeing? Uh, are you able to give to your clients now, fixed rates, mm-hmm. variable rates? Uh, and where what's sort of the trend right now on yeah. rates? Good good question. So with the stress test that came out last year, I predicted another thing that I forgot to mention, which was there's going to be a great differentiator in mortgage rates. So before the stress test happened, if 10 people called me and they were all buyers, I could give them within a 0.1 to 0.2% difference in rates, a kind of a range. Hey, you're going to fall in this bucket. You're going to fall in this bucket. But for the first time ever, we are seeing, or we saw, and we are continuing to see, a mass differentiation in how each customer is being priced. Investor, self-employed, refinance, condo, credit over 680, credit under 680. So it used to be three or four questions I would ask to get you a mortgage quote. Sometimes now it could be as much as 
15 before I can know what quote I can give you. The fact of the matter is, if you have less than 20% down, and I know this will sound very uh, kind of opposite to the proper theory, but if you have less than 20% down, you will continue to get the best rate. And that's because the lenders and banks can securitize the mortgage and sell it off the CMHC and essentially have no skin in the game if there is a default. With 20% down or more, they now have to have either more of a risk tolerance and or put up their own money. So those mortgages are seeing a bit of a higher rate. So right now, the typical five years around 259. A week ago, it was around 239. Um, and those, mar- those rates are only going up with RBC announcing an increase in their rates. So when that kind of thing happens, when a five-year money goes up, but not the one to four-year money, what a lot of smart clients do is they shift their targets to taking a shorter term and playing the short game rather than sticking into a longer term. And that, again, depends on each client's needs and wants and, and preferences, right? Right, right. So fixed rates are sort of trending up a little bit right mm-hmm. now. As you said, RBC has kind of come out and said they're raising their rates a little bit. Uh, of course, we're still we're talking about you know still historic lows overall. But, yes, minuscule, um, minuscule. But what about on the variable side of things? What's happening? So now? as of, as of this morning, uh, again, I believe uh, last uh, you know Friday in July, the jobs numbers just came out, and now there is a 96% chance of an increase in rate either in July or September, and that shot up from 30% just a month ago. So it's pretty much guaranteed that the Bank of Canada has has given such a strong language that rates will rise and they were waiting for today's today's report the jobs numbers came out strong it's almost a hundred percent chance that rates will rise now i want to quantify this because you made a good point minuscule very small uh, rise in rates a quarter point rise in your interest rate on a variable rate mortgage equals twelve dollars on a hundred thousand so if you owe a million dollars on your mortgage you will pay a hundred twenty dollars more if rates go up by a quarter point to me, that is absolutely no reason to panic and suddenly decide that you have to lock in. Because if you lock in, you're going to face much higher penalties if you break. And you might be locking in at a much higher rate than what you could get should rates come back down, which they very well might because rates move with seasonality just like the housing market. So it's expected rates will go up by a quarter point. A quarter point does not mean very much in your overall house budget and mortgage payment. But it is still an increase in your rate, and it is still an increase in your cost. So be aware of that, and and that's that's where rates are headed on the variable side. Now here's a question: Back in 2015, uh, when the prime rate went down in response uh-huh. to the oil crash, if we recall, the banks did not pass along the full decrease in that rate to variable borrowers. Um, yes much consternation amongst the variable borrowers, myself included, when that yes. happened. But now that rates are going up, what do you think is going to happen? Are they going – will will all the banks – like if rates go up a quarter point, will all the variable rates go up a quarter point? Or will they say, you know what, we, we took a we, we took too much from you in 2015. Yeah. We're going to give it back to you now. Like, What do you think is going to happen there? It's a great question, and I'm smiling because I just had a chat with my colleague, and we made a bet. $100 bet, there is, in my opinion, no chance that if a bank has an option to increase rates by a quarter, that they won't do it. Uh, even if, for example, TD Bank's prime rate is 285 and everybody else's prime rate is 2.7 and the real prime is 2.5. I don't believe any single lender will say, you're right, we're going to give you guys only a 15 bump or 10 basis point bump. It's going to be the full quarter point bump. I fully, fully believe that. 
just because banks, at the end of the day, they're profit machines and they're, they're drivers, shareholders, and and yeah, there's, I, I don't think that they'll pass on the savings to us. I don't ever remember when they have. Right. But at the same time, in, in 2015, we never re- at the time we said we've never seen banks uh, do what they did there, which was not pass along the full rate cut, which was sort of an unprecedented move at the time. No, like, it, it in, did happen once before. It did it? happen in 2007 or six, I believe. Don't quote me on the number, but I'll find out for you and give you a, a quote on it. It okay. happened before, but the NDP government back then, they were not in power, but they were a pretty vocal opposition party. They made such a think about it that eventually the bank said, okay, you're right, we'll match the prime of Bank of Canada. It, yes, on the way down, the banks have to limit their losses, quote unquote. They're not losing money, but they're losing profit. On the way up, there's no limit to that. So there's no reason why, in my opinion, they would say, hey, we were wrong a couple of years ago. We'll do right by you now. Uh, right, I, I just right. don't believe it'll happen. I know that theoretically they absolutely should say if if Prime was up to two seven five, you should really only go to two seven five because right now your Prime is two seven or two eight five if you're with TD, right? That's not going to yeah. happen. I think a quarter point bump will be a quarter point bump, and we'll always see from now on kind of a, until Prime is much higher, Prime not being what true Prime is. That's why most of your mortgage contracts say. Your prime rate is linked to the bank of Royal Bank Canada, TD Canada Trust, or Scotia Bank Prime, because a lot of these mortgage lenders link their prime rate not to the Bank of Canada. As a matter of fact, nobody does. They don't right. want to be caught flat-footed right. saying it's linked to BOC, it's linked to RBC. Right. So then we're getting technical here, but I, I think it's an interesting question to ask is just to understand how can – maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but how yep. can the banks just arbitrarily have their own prime rate you know, when, like you said, like 95% of the time in history, the prime rate has been tied in directly to the Bank of Canada prime rate. Why is it now they said, you know what, uh, we're just going to make our own prime rate? Like, how well, is I that think, doable? Yeah, it's, it's, all a, of a it's a great question. I think the problem is that lending is a very fluid environment, and nobody foresaw a seven-year lull in rates. Right. Really, no one forecasts. A typical typical rate cycle is about five years. Now we're in year seven where finally rates are going up. And I'm going to get to that in a moment about why rates are going up besides the econ- economy growing. I just feel like the banks have maybe missed their own forecast, which is very possible. Economists are not always right, as we know. 50% of the time, actually, they're probably wrong. But we, the banks just simply said, oh, yeah, we'll give you the prime reduction. We'll give it to you. And wait a second. Hold on a second. Oil crash. We're borrowing money at, at the overnight rate. We're going to lend it to you at the prime rate. There's not enough of a juice for us here. We're going to have to adjust this because rates have been so low. And there's not a stake being made. You know why? Because rates are 2.7, 2.5, and not 4.7, 4.5. If we were talking about 4.7% versus 4.5, I think there would be much more vocal opposition, especially if prime went up a percent to 2%. By then, I still I think more and more Canadians will come in tune and say, wait a second, there's a 20 basis point spread here. Let's get that back to normal. But it'll give the banks enough catch-up time. Right now, I just think that they were able to make this decision because they're the ones lending the money at the end of the day. They set the rules. Kind of a monopoly if you think about it. When Shell, Esso, Sunoco all have the same gas prices, what's going on? It's kind of the same thing, but they're strong players in the market. So what's the alternative, right? Right, right. I, I wanted to touch on one thing about, about yeah. rising rates and, and variable because I, I didn't want to forget this part. Although I do believe the economy is getting better, I, I still think the Bank of Canada is making a little bit of a mistake. We still don't know what the full effects of the Trump administration will be on our trading 
with the, with the United States. And when you hear the IMF and the OECD tell in Canada, you guys have a vastly overvalued or whatever problematic housing market, I believe a lot of this change in, in direction has to do with external foreign pressures and not just local national economy. So we'll see how much rates will go up. I truly don't believe they'll go up more than 50 basis points within a year. So a quarter now, see what happens. We have to remember the higher rates go, the less people have to spend on certain things like vacations, uh, you know, uh, shopping, going out, and the economy will then suffer again, and then rates may come back down again. So a 50 basis point jump is not the end of the world, in my opinion, or even a 25 point jump. Um, so I think they'll, they'll be very slow, but I think they're doing this because the U.S. has done it as well. And they're like, wait a sec, we got we to gotta kind of lock in step here and, and march in, in with them too, so... Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors. Like we can, we yep. could talk about this all day. You start talking about oil prices. You start talking about the effects on the Canadian dollar and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would agree that um, it seems to me that a lot of it is is external. Like if you talk to you talk to the average Canadian on the street, so to speak, uh, has the economy, you know grown and, and, and is, are things better off suddenly and you need higher interest rates kind of thing when most people yeah. say no yep. uh, their experience is, is it's not really any better so we talk to somebody in alberta about higher interest rates and they'll right. charge try to charge you for treason right i mean yeah yeah uh, and and that's, a, interesting that's a good kind. Point. canada canada doesn't have a, a canada housing market it's a big big geo- geographical area and actually, funny enough, today's jobs reports reported strong numbers in Alberta, part-time jobs, and in Quebec. Well, guess what? We're not seeing those impacts here in Ontario, and yet everybody's prime rate will go up, right? So, yeah, we'll 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 see what kind of uh, impact it'll have and how much they will go up and when. But I don't believe it's going to be a dramatic turnaround all of a sudden to four percent or anything in that region. Interesting. Okay, yeah. let's get to the heart of the matter here, which is yeah. why I wanted to talk to you primarily, which is these proposed changes from uh, from OFSI. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, uh, potentially, uh, you've been tweeting about it, writing about it, Facebooking comments and stuff, uh, potentially huge here. So tell us, what are these changes? How likely are they to happen? Um, mm-hmm. And what is going to be the impact of them, in your opinion? So the changes that are proposed for now just came out on Wednesday and they're called technically they're called B20 updates. So last year the B20 rules came out and the recommendation was anyone between 5 and 19% down had to be stress tested to prove that they can afford a 2% jump in their interest rate at renewal. And now the proposal is everybody no matter the down payment 5% or 50% down has to be stress tested. And so if you take a 2.59 mortgage from a bank, five-year fixed, you're not going to qualify at that number. You're going to have to prove through your income that you can afford 4.59. So they're looking at a 2% variance between qualifying and between actual contract rates. So just for the record, because a lot of people ask me, no, you're not going to pay 4.59. You just need to show that you have the financial resources to do so if rates were to go up. And what kind of impact this will have is very easy to quantify. Right now, if you make 100 grand, let's just use that number because it's nice and even, you can borrow seven times your income if you have 20% down. So about $700,000, $720,000. Under the new rules, you'll only be able to borrow around 5.2 to 5.5 times your income. So that wipes out 150 to 180000 in mortgage affordability. That's a big number. 
And you know, Andrew, you were one of the first people that I saw on social media that made the following point. When this happens, guess who's going to benefit? Condo owners, condo investors, because that's the lowest hanging fruit for a buyer to get into a market. The first time buyer, especially where they're priced out of houses. And no, I don't think that the Lesbyville semi that's going for a million two will be 900,000 overnight. Yeah, maybe it'll soften a little bit in price, but the condos will be the biggest benefactors of this and houses will be the biggest ones to lose, especially the higher you get in the price scale until you get to the luxury market where, you know, 2 million plus, 2 million five plus, it doesn't matter. You'll qualify because there's a lot of buyers with big down payments, big incomes and big cash. So I think the million to 2 million market will suffer. The suburbs will suffer. The condos will do great because of this change if and when it happens. So this is a proposal by the Bank of Canada and the Federal Ministry of Finance. Uh, what should happen now is the banks will come in with the lobby groups and say, hold on a second, guys. What about a 1% variance of prime or to the rate instead of 2%? There may be some modifications to this, but I truly believe that this will happen in the next month to three months. And this will be the new stress test, you know, for everybody involved. Wow. So you, yes. th- you, 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 you think it is going to happen. I mean, this is a dramatic change. It was, it was one thing well, to, uh, to yeah. put it on the under 20% crowd, but now to put it on everybody, you've got to, you've got to show that you can pay a mortgage that's 2% higher yep. than the mortgage rate you're actually getting. I mean, if you're getting variables, like two and a half percent higher, would right. that be? But, but check it out. But variable rate mortgages have always qualified at that standard. Right, right. So, so, so people who qualify for variable have already passed this stress test. As a matter of fact, you know, not to throw too much water on the market, but the fact is I stress test a lot of my buyers at 20% down anyway because I tell them, guys, you know, in five years we may see 1% jump in rate or I want you to pay this down ASAP. So if we pay it down now, you'll, you're not going to have much of an impact. Not every broker, not every banker does that activity and some buyers don't qualify under the stress test but we're not going to see a massive exodus of buyers we're just going to see an adjustment in expectation just like we did with the original stress test that came out Um, it's not it's not going to be good for housing it's not going to be a great thing for housing market when there is less money to borrow that's for sure Um, but I, i know why the bank of canada and the federal minister is doing it it's just because they're afraid of if rates do tremendously go up in the future then what what will happen to the canadians who are battled with the debt. Wow. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing this huge, uh, all this turmoil in the market, but at the bottom, bottom line is, you know, if you look at the housing mar- market overall, we got approximately a hundred thousand people coming to GTA every year mm-hmm. and yep. we don't have enough houses for them to come in. I mean, we're just, we're push, we're punting the problem really down the road, I think, because we are, we're just okay. We're tr- they're trying to they're trying to mess with the demand side of the equation as opposed to the supply. They're trying to pull out buyers left and right. Yep. Uh, but those buyers eventually are going to buy. It's not like people are going to say, "Well, government's just making it too difficult to own a home. I, I'll just rent for the rest of my life." No, I mean you're no. just gonna you're just delaying it, delaying it, delaying it. Eventually, the, another tsunami of, of buyers are going to hit the market. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's two years down the road, three years. And we're going to be right back where we started. And but, don't forget um, that this is the liberal government that's doing this. And the fact of the matter is, if there is a change in platform in two years when the next election happens, I think it's in two years. Well, guess what? Next year, yeah. Yeah, the, the conservatives 
have been really the drivers of this market, if you think about it, because they brought in the exotic loans, the zero down 40-year AMOR. Then yeah. they, they brought in kind of lower rates. They never announced any stress test. They let the market do what it wanted to do. I'm not being yeah. pro-liberal, pro-conservative, pro-NDP here. I'm just saying if the market, if the government changes, that could change things as well um, it, for the better from a borrowing standpoint. So it's not, this is not forever, right? Right. Um, what, I'm, what I'm really worried about, though, is people who need to refinance, if, if someone right. needs to refinance, they should do this now because if they won't qualify under the stress test, well, guess what? They're going to have to go to private lenders, and instead of paying 2.5, 2.7 on a mortgage, they'll pay 10% to pay off their 20% credit cards, right? And I, and I don't want that to happen. I want people to borrow at the lowest possible rates to get out of that ASAP and then to use that equity to keep investing. Because over the long haul, as you've seen, Andrew, it's the best place to park your money as far as I'm concerned is more housing. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, while I have you, might as well touch on the um, the Warren Buffett uh, and, mm-hmm. and the home home capital. Uh, I've done podcasts and stuff on it, but uh, would love to hear your take on Warren Buffett um, and Berkshire Hathaway getting involved with with home capital. And and there was a lot yeah. again, a lot of concerns and worries about that a month or two ago, um, and no one's really talking about it anymore. What are your thoughts? Well. From a broker's perspective, I've always used Home Capital or, or worked with them as a big partner of mine. Right now, they are still limited in terms of what they can do. The rates are higher. The mortgage amounts are somewhat restricted. The loan to values, meaning how much equity they'll or how much mortgage against your value they'll give you. But they're really coming back. I'm seeing a lot more action and, and conversations from them. And I, the sheer fact that Buffett came to the table uh, in such a short time, was such a good investment. I mean, he, he's not selling this investment anytime soon. That, at least that's what he said. He's got a soft spot in his heart for Canada. And, you know, it made me really, really uh, happy to see that because that the idiot, Mark Cahodes, the guy who was the short seller, the most vocal opponent of home capital, he's made his billions. He's made his money already. But that guy just needed to be put in his place. And who better to do that than a soft-spoken, quiet investor that's really potentially the best investor in the world to do that to him. Because really, if I was to bet my money on Marco Hodes versus Warren Buffett, I would put my entire earnings or <laughs> net worth into Warren Buffett any day of the week and uh, twice on Sunday. So I think it was a dramatic <laughs> turnaround. It's helped the other lenders that are in this space turn around. It's brought a lot of confidence back to those lenders. They know there's a lot of capital, like Equitable Bank, Canadian Western Bank, which is optimum. So the alternative prime space, which is growing, is getting better. And that's great because, you know, there's a ton of people that fit in that mold that pay a little bit more on their rate but get mortgages done. And we need to service those people because they're equally important as are the prime, you know, super credit, super income buyers, right? Everyone deserves a chance to borrow money if they can prove that they can pay it back. Well said. Yeah, it's very well. So it's there. a good thing. It's it's outstanding. It's fantastic. I fell off my 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 chair when I saw it, and I kicked my trading broker because I had a buy order for Home Cap at six ninety, and it didn't get filled, and now it's at sixteen dollars. But that's okay because I'm more happy <laughs> that the industry felt a positive reaction than right. my pity little profit that I would have made. Big deal. <laughs> you were gonna buy at so. six ninety, but it bottomed out at nine about nine dollars. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I bought it at, I was going to, it was, it bottomed out that day at 710, 720. And I just oh. kept having like a bit of a stop limit on it. And it, my order just never got filled. And then 
to be honest with you, July was such a busy, busy month that I kind of was just not paying attention to what was happening to home. I'm not a trader by any stretch. I just play with a little bit of money here and there on, sure. on the market. But sure. I was very close to the situation. And then I see Buffett's name, and I'm thinking, because I heard a lot of rumors. I heard other companies that were looking at buying in. And th- yeah. there was a supposedly 70 suitors. And in three days, the guy picks up the phone, doesn't do research on his, on his uh, airplane, and decides to buy into it. And that's yeah. amazing. And got pushed those 70 people aside. And yeah, so happens. smart. So smart, too, right? I mean, yeah, he, takes, and his name. He, takes the, he takes the debt side and he takes the equity side. Absolutely. And he got, got them out of that super high interest debt that they had. And, and just kind of just it, the way it happened was amazing. I just hope, obviously, that home, when it comes back fully, will be as strong as they were because they're a very important player and a very good player in our market. And they serve a lot of customers that need mortgages. So Yeah, which is exactly what Warren Buffett said in his interview with the Globe and Mail was basically, look, like not everybody fits the mold. Like the, you need lenders like this in the market to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they serve a very important part of the market. And he said, look, if you looked at my, if I did a mortgage yeah. application myself, yeah. I probably wouldn't fit the mold of uh, what the big banks are, you know, you have to fit in this neat and tidy little box. He's like, I probably totally. wouldn't fit in that box myself. No, no, I know. It was so funny because the, the interviewer said, you know, I'll lend you money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll lend you money, Mr. Buffett. But he was right. He, he, he takes a very small salary, a very small salary considering his net worth. And guess what? That borrower today, if he called me, I don't know if you qualify for a typical mortgage at a big bank at that salary. So, Warren Buffett probably couldn't get a mortgage on a typical Toronto house. There you go. That's it. That's a cool, that's a cool headline on Huffington so he, Post tomorrow. So he, yeah, he bought his own mortgage company so he could get a mortgage. <laughs> He's right. moving to Toronto. That's it. That's it. And then he buys a $30 million Oakville estate. There you go. Um, no, but so, so overall, I, just, I'm, I'm, I was thrilled to see it. There's been no fallout negative of it why, and why would there be so it's just it's just interesting we'll see what continues down the path you know right right great okay jake it's been great chatting with you um and if people want to get a hold of you what's the best way for people to do that uh best way is you can find me on facebook uh just google more uh, facebook.com slash mortgage jake i'm all around twitter at mortgage jake and you can always call me 416 910 Four 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 eight. Uh, I'm always around. I love what I do. I've been around for a long time, and I'll give you the goods if you need any help. Any questions, problems you have, let me know, and I'll give you my advice. Great. Thanks, Jake. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate the opportunity, and good luck to all your investors and buyers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.